Exodus 32, verses 10 through 14, these are God's words. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with Yahweh and said, Yahweh, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So Yahweh relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. So for the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. This short passage shows us the surprise of grace through a series of surprises as we move through the text. The first surprise uh, we find there in verse 10. The surprising command and proposition. The surprising command is, Let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And the surprising proposition is, And I will make of you a great nation. Sometimes we get accustomed to uh, amazing grace, and it ceases to be so amazing to us. Uh, We just uh, get into the mental or emotional routine uh, of thinking of ourselves as God's people and uh, and those who have been forgiven uh, and familiarity instead of breeding awe, we can't believe we're God's people. Can't believe that we're forgiven. Or maybe can't believe isn't the the best phrase. We are are in awe. Let's use that that word. We are in awe that we are God's people. We are in awe that we are. We get too used to it. Uh, and sinners. Uh, that we continue to be, not now uh, our new nature, but uh, still people who sin uh, from our original nature, in which we were dead in our trespasses, sinners that we continue to be. Uh, becoming familiar uh, leads into uh, even such wickedness as worshiping the way that we think feels more meaningful to us because we can perceive it by sight and uh, it does not require that the worship be by faith. Uh, and that's why it's surprising to us when he says, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. Uh, because uh, aren't these uh, the ones whom he has just saved? Uh, and yet, what the Lord is reminding us is uh, that the salvation is entirely by his grace. Entirely by his choosing to be their God. Entirely by his atoning for their sin. Entirely by his delivering them. And he's reminding us exactly what they deserve and what we deserve. This is something we can always see in God's dealings with his visible church. He hasn't stopped uh, this way. Uh, Stopped interacting with his people this way. You remember the threats against the seven churches uh, in Asia starting with Ephesus and going up into um, the the region 
where Ephesus was, and the threats to take away their lampstands. There were those within even the churches um, that would be judged uh, who uh, did not participate in the sin of the whole, whose names are written in the book of life. Uh, but the dreadfulness of what sin deserves is still on full display uh, in God's threatening uh, these uh, congregations, these churches, even in the New Testament church. Uh, and so uh, when we see, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, we see that God is still holy, God is still righteous. Uh, and our surprise that he would threaten this against Israel, as we read this, indicates to us that we have lost something of the surprise of grace. Uh, because verse 10 is exactly what should happen to everyone. Uh, and then the surprising proposition uh, that he would start over with Moses and make of Moses a great nation. Uh, that was uh, a promise that had uh, been made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he had already... Uh, fulfilled it in large measure. Uh, he had made them uh, a great nation. Uh, and yet now he is uh, offering to Moses to start over with him. Uh, now this leads into the second surprise, which looks at first like a surprising disobedience. Because God says, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot. And verse 11 begins, then Moses pleaded with Yahweh as God. Uh, the Lord had already given uh, Moses a calling, uh, and he's used language with the key to uh, seeing how this is not really um, a disobedience. Is He's speaking to Moses in verse 10 um, in the context of the way the people have treated God uh, or thought about God in verse 7. Yahweh said to Moses, get down for your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt. And the people, of course, had uh, been focusing more on what they see than on, uh, which is Moses, than on the God they cannot see. Although he has made a pretty uh, intense display uh, to communicate things about himself to them, but still they cannot, uh, they cannot see him. Uh, and so, uh, if things are as the people say, uh, and Moses has led a people, uh, and uh, what and the big uh, the the deciding factor in what happens is what each of them do. Then you have Moses over here and the people over there. And Moses sure looks better than uh, than the people do. So we'll wipe out the people and we'll start over with Moses. But we are not the deciding factor. God is the deciding factor. And the Lord had already taught Moses this. Uh, Moses, of course, coming... Um, now to in to the third stage of his life, the first 80 years uh, in Egypt and then in the wilderness, uh, and uh, had had much experience of his own sin and of his own weakness. Uh, and God has been merciful to him, and God has made him a mediator, uh, given him the role of one who goes in between uh, God and the people. And one thing Moses has learned through all of that is that it is not our might. Moses was much more mighty uh, by the end of his 40 years and thought that he would lead the people out of Israel, by, or out of Egypt, or at least uh, uh, help the people in an uprising against Egypt by his own might. 
but he had learned that it is not our might, but God's mercy. And so this is not actually a disobedience at all. Uh, this is a man recognizing that God does not uh, work according to our theology. Um, met a man yesterday who was driving his friend, and his friend, I think, is probably going to come to worship on the Lord's Day with us. Um, but the man who is doing the driving hates Calvinism. Uh, he says, I just can't believe that, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's interesting information about him, but it has no bearing. What matters is not what we are willing to believe or able to believe or able to understand or willing to tolerate. If God treated us according to those things, we would all perish. If God treated Israel according to their sight-not-faith um, scheme, they would perish. God deals with us according to his own character and his own truth. And so uh, Moses recognizes the instruction in verse 10 as coming in the context of going according to this sight-not-faith uh, way that the people were thinking. Uh, but Moses knows that it is the Lord who makes the difference. <clears throat> and so this brings us to the surprising argument. Man would plead, they're not so bad, or they're led astray, or they've been in Egypt so long, uh, or it really has been a long time since I came up the mountain, uh, or uh, or even Aaron's, uh, you know, Aaron's, uh, part of Aaron's argument with Moses, part of his argument is a lie. You know, I threw it in there and I, I'll jump out. Uh, but part of his argument is, come on, Moses, you believe in total depravity. You know what the people are like. Moses doesn't plead anything with respect to the people. Because even though we can understand some of the mechanism by which it happened, none of it makes it excusable. So Moses doesn't plead any understandability on account of the people, he pleads the Lord himself. Who he is, who he has made his people to be to himself, the relationship he has given them to him, the Lord's glory, the Lord's mercy, the Lord's promises. Moses pleaded with Yahweh as God and said, Yahweh. He uses a name that he learned at the bush, remember? When he first began to use that name to address him, when he was permitted to use that name as a memorial name, I am that I am, and contracted um, uh, the contraction of that to the word Yahweh. He was at a bush in the wilderness, and the people of Israel were not, it doesn't say that they were crying out to God. It says they were crying out, and their cry went up to God. They were idolaters in Egypt. And yet the Lord revealed himself as Yahweh at the bush, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Yahweh, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Now why does your wrath burn hot? The answer is because they're wicked and they deserve it. And so... Moses isn't saying they have not done enough to deserve this. But he's saying you have committed yourself to overcoming their wickedness. This is our hope. Not that we can be better or that we're not so bad. 
but that the living God himself has committed himself to saving us and identified us with himself so that we are his. And when we continue to sin in such a way that deserves his wrath and we wake up every day or <coughs> realizing that uh, we ought uh, by all rights to uh, have been cast into hell for the way we failed the day before. Whenever we are convicted about our sin, we can turn to him and say, O oh Lord, I am your person whom you have delivered with your great power and your mighty hand. It is for God's sake. And not only for the God's sake of what, for the sake of what God has determined to do, but for the sake of his honor and his glory. You remember one of the things that he said several times as he was delivering Israel from Egypt was, then they shall know that I am Yahweh. And he even uh, says at one point, I just realized that this, this actually connects very closely to the psalm that we're singing this week. He even at a couple of points said, then the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh. Some of whom learned to seek him and came out with Israel in the mixed multitude. Many of whom drowned at the bottom of the Red Sea or were destroyed in the plagues. And so he says, you've been doing this for the glory of your name. And there are surviving Egyptians who are going to despise your name because they'll say, oh, he said he was going to save them in order to show that he was Yahweh, but he's not like, uh, but he's very much like these other uh, capricious and, and wicked gods. Whenever man makes invents a god, the god is wicked. The gods of all of the nations act just like the nations do. And he says, the Egyptians are going to say, oh, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth. Like a giant almighty cat toying with his people, bringing them out into the wilderness to destroy them. So the view of you that the Egyptians are going to get to this, the, the message about you that they're going to uh, have about this is um, that you're not faithful and merciful but that you're like their gods. And so he uh, pleads not just the plan of God in verse 11, but the glory of God in verse 12. And he says, turn from your fierce wrath. Relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Usually when we have that formula in the Bible, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he uses the name Israel in which God taught Jacob that it is God who makes the difference. You remember when he got the name, Esau was coming to get him. Uh, and uh, Jacob cries out for help. And God's answer is to keep him up all night, wrestle with him, uh, and disable him at the end of the wrestling. And give him a name that says God, that means God wrestles. And so Moses uses that name. He inserts it into the uh, into the place of Jacob in the formula. Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. Now, 
theoretically, if he starts over with Moses, Moses is one of their descendants. And yet, the way that the the Lord has worked was to multiply them uh, as the stars of heaven, as the descendants of Jacob, the twelve tribes. And so Moses pleads the words of God in behalf of the people of God. And so we have all of these surprises, uh, which brings us to um, a surprising but satisfying outcome, uh, which is the surprise of grace at the end in verse 14. So Yahweh relented from the harm. Um, It's not surprising in the scope of the whole Bible. This is uh, what we have been seeing, that God has committed himself to save, that he makes promises, that he keeps promises. But it is a surprise against wrath and against justice that the Lord in his mercy finds a way at last to satisfy both of them. It is, of course, the cross of Jesus Christ that is behind verse 14, not the uh, the excellent arguments of Moses. The arguments of Moses cannot be a way by which God stops being God or sets aside his character. His his justice and wrath have to be fully satisfied. But there is uh, that surprise, that question, that tension uh, in the flow of what is happening uh, that Yahweh would, uh, and the word relent, I think, uh, is an unhelpful way to translate it. Uh, it's a causative form of nacham, which is the word for um, uh, to have compassion on. Uh, and in the causative, it means to cause to be shown compassion or sometimes to comfort. Um, and so uh, the Lord uh, overcomes by his intention to show mercy the wrath that they deserved is more of the sense here. Not that the Lord has changed his mind but that there is a people who, if God was not determined to show them mercy, they would perish under his wrath. But God has been determined to show them mercy. And he brings about this determination by the pleading of a mediator based upon his word and based upon, as we shall see, uh, and praise God we know, the righteousness and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Moses prays that the Lord would be merciful. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. And the Lord turns from his wrath. And we see uh, not a people who is very obviously deserved for God to save them, but a people whose only hope was the character and promise and determination of a God who would act for his own glory to show mercy to those who deserve wrath. And Moses himself here pleading the promises of God gives us a picture of the Lord Jesus, an imperfect one, however, because when the Lord Jesus pleads, he does so upon the the, the merits of his own obedience and his own sacrifice. And the Lord hears him, and he turns his wrath from everyone for whom the Lord Jesus pleads. He turns his wrath for everyone for whom the Lord Jesus obeyed, for whom the Lord Jesus fled. 
that Moses was an effective mediator. How much more is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? So as you realize the greatness of your sin and how much you deserve the wrath of God, and remember Exodus 32, and that God heard Moses for the sake of Jesus, and he hears Jesus for the sake of Jesus. On our behalf, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for teaching us about yourself, about your plan, about your promises, about how you glorify yourself as a Savior even of hell-deserving sinners. And we thank you for the way you grew Moses in faith and gave him to understand that you save according to your own character, your own plan, your own work. And we thank you that uh, you have given us in your word that by which your spirit would grow us in faith. To lay hold of Christ, to lay hold of you in Christ, grant that we would do so. Make us to hate to sin against such a God as you are, a God of such mercy as you have. And make us to have great confidence in your salvation, coming as it does entirely from you, entirely by your power, entirely by your goodness, entirely for your glory. Save us, O God, we pray, through Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask it. Amen.